0: You'll be energised by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Robin Stratton-Burkessel, and thanks so much for listening in again. I just wanted to say how happy I am to be hearing from some of you. In the last week's, or the last show, um... I sent out the email as usual to the subscribers and I expressed a curiosity about where you are when you listen to the shows, whether it's from your mobile device while you're working out or while you're commuting or while you're relaxing somewhere or if you're sitting at your desk. And I want to thank you, those of you who responded. And Jim from Australia shared that he listens listens from many, many places, while he's on the road from his iPhone and while he's at his desk when he's doing some research and reading and working. He also said to me, and I'm very touched by this, Jim, he said, you are an inspiration and keep on keeping on. So, Jim, thank you. I get fueled by such warm comments and connections. It kind of keeps me going. So, again, thanks, Jim. (laughs) <laughs> now, today I welcome to the show another fabulous guest and this time it's from the Netherlands or he's from the Netherlands and his name sounds very Dutch to me, Wick van der Vaart. Did I say that right, Wick?
1: Almost, Wick, Wick van der Vaart. we would call that in Dutch.
0: Van der Vaart.
1: Van der Vaart. yes.
0: Very nice, thank you. So Wick, welcome. Thank you. Where are you, where are you today?
1: I'm in France in uh, our holiday home, and there's a nice thunderstorm building up. So um, things are getting a bit rough over here.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it's not unlike my environment here in Florida yeah, but, right now. <laughs> yeah. um, it goes gets very hot, and then it kind of gets thundery, which is quite a nice contrast. But exactly. your, where is your home when you're not on holidays in France? Where where is home?
1: My home is in Arnhem in the Netherlands, which is, and Arnhem is a small town, well, not too big town, close to the German border.
0: Very good. And that's where you have your business, right, too?
1: Yes, well, I have my business in Amsterdam. I've, I've been living in Amsterdam for almost 40 years, and I have my my own school in a priest of interventionism, and that's still in the middle of Amsterdam.
0: Okay. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So I just want to give a little background, Wick. Um, I've been admiring you from a distance for the last... Couple yeah. of years, and Wick and I had the great pleasure to meet in person recently in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Fourth Global Forum. And yeah. um, if you're interested, you can find more about that um, in a previous episode, which was PS Positivity Strategist PS68, and the title of that episode is "Business Leaders, Professors, and Students Expose Flourishing Enterprises," because that's what we what the forum was about. Um, But Wick is making such a positive contribution in the world through his own business, and I'm interested to find out more about that, and through his role as the co-publisher and editor-in-chief of the AI Practitioner, and that's the Appreciative Inquiry Practitioner. So I'm excited to talk to Wick about his work and his big move, from my perspective, to take on the AI Practitioner. But first of all, um, Wick, i like to ask all my guests who come from the world of appreciative inquiry, how did you find appreciative inquiry or did appreciative inquiry find you?
1: Yes, I think the second one would be more appropriate because um, in 2008 I went over to uh, Bethel, Maine to do some uh, uh, some educational programs by the NTL Institute of Behavioral Sciences. And one of the uh, workshops uh, wasn't wasn't happening because there weren't enough participants. And then the organizer says, well, why don't you go and sit with the AI group? There, there was an AI gathering. And I heard about AI but never met any people who work with AI. So I said, yeah, why not? I'm here. I came all the way from the Netherlands to the United States. So... So, I, I, I almost literally walked into the wrong room because <laughs> the other room was closed. So, AI found me and I didn't find AI.
0: And was it the wrong room?
1: Well, eventually, obviously, it wasn't. <laughs> 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 no. Well, the thing was, I wanted to do a program on um, organizational development and uh by meeting all these AI AI folks like Jay Magruder-Watkins and Maureen McKenna and other people. Uh, Jay Magruder-Watkins says, why don't you do the AI program? It's the same program as the organization development program, only you look at things through a different lens. And I'm, I'm being a bit as stubborn, I did both certificate tracks then. So I did the organization development track and I did the, the inquiry track. Which cost me about four or five years in total. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the thing was, um, I got interested in AI by the people who were there, who, who, who gathered there, and by the projects they were doing all over the world. Because I often tell people that I was raised by my um, by my parents to um, well to to do well in the world. And AI, the group of AI people, gave me the professional foundation to do exactly that.
0: Yes, I love that lens. Um, In fact, you know, I call myself a global citizen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, you know, when you look through this lens that um, you are looking for the best in all systems, you know, whether it's the individual or right through to a national and, and therefore global, you can be world centric.
1: And what I really like about it is that it's 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 kind of naive almost, that all these people I've met in Bethel they were, they they wanted to make the world a better place, and that's what I want to do too. Mm. So it's it's almost like naive. In a sense, it's like make the world a better place, one conversation at a time. But I like this idea. I just love it.
0: Yeah, naive. So. Say what. Say more about that. What, what warms you to the fact that it is almost naive?
1: Well, in in a world, especially a business world, and also a consultancy world, that is dominated where the where the dominant discourse is about uh, control, uh, making money, uh, power. Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, meeting. A group of people who work in the field of organization development and team development and coaching, who don't who have a completely different taking on things, who don't look at organizations at places where you should make money in the first place, but where you can make money by mm, having a thriving work thriving workforce, for instance, mm. and by making this this planet a bit better. So uh, doing good by doing well. Mm. I, I like I like that that different that different taking on things. With the same resources, as a matter of fact, or better resources even.
0: So you said that you did both Yes. Uh, organization development program and you did the AI program. How might you describe how one differed from the other?
1: Well the, the, the main uh, difference was that the AI program was far more fun. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> and I, I think I mean the organization development program by NTL is, is, a, is, is really a good and nice and dialogical program too I mean you, you do all kinds of exercises with other people but in the AI groups there was another there was another dynamics going on uh, so it was not just about having dialogues it was also about having fun together in some, some sort of way I don't know hmm. the relationships that I built with people in the AI courses they last forever while the relationships I built with people in the more more traditional organization development courses they vanished after two weeks hmm. so it's a not thing I guess
0: I mean what when you when you were saying that week I, I'm smiling obviously because I I really understand what you're saying for me it's about understanding and living with the principles. You know, when you really begin to integrate and embody the principles, it's, you know, one of these principles is about, you know, wholeness. And I think, you know, we really tap into the whole human being.
1: Yes.
0: And it's not just focusing on deliverables and work outputs and productivity and strategy and all those things. We do all that and... There yes. is also how do you pay attention to the relational space, the relational connections? You know that's such a strong part of having this yes. worldview of appreciative inquiry, right?
1: Yes, exactly. and And I mean the the organisation development program tried to do the same thing. but the ai the AI lens um, produces, as as a Belgian colleague of mine once said, uh, Rene Bowie he says, it produces um, um, high-quality relationships mm-hmm. in a very, in a very quick way. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start the previous interview, you become friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what how, when you're? I know you're teaching AI in your institute. So yes. how do you process that? How I mean, I agree with you. I think it is that very first discovery interview. That really works and connects you. How would you say more about the value of that?
1: The appreciative interview. Yeah. Well, I think what is important for me is that I want my students to be engaged in an in an appreciative interview within the first ten minutes of any course. So my introduction introduction to the course will be very brief. It'll just be say, okay, everybody says his name. And then as soon as possible, within the first 10 minutes, we go into an, in, a priest of interview. Because that's where the magic happens. So, and after that, I don't have to work that hard anymore.
0: <laughs> and what's the... I don't have to
1: work at, at, at hard at, at all anymore.
0: Yeah. I know, because it's, I mean, you're working, but it's also enjoyable, right? And you see people come alive. So what's, yes. the, what's an example of the discovery in question that you put to your students?
1: My students normally sign up for a two-day, a two-year course. Can be a three-day course, but can also be a two-year two course. So, so I want them to build strong relationships as soon as possible, so they can get to know each other as soon as possible, and then, uh, well, get productive together. Mm-hmm. So, one of my first questions always is always, can you tell me a story about? a time when you've been a part of a learning group um, that produced great learning for you for, for other people in the group and, and that learning that, and le- some, that sort of learning that still influences you every day nowadays. So it's about, so it's a twofold question really. It's about what did you learn? But it's also about uh, what were the factors, the intergroup, intragroup factors that made it. That made this learning possible. So that's a question that I nicked from uh, Meta Jacobsgaard and Jim watkins by the way.
0: Ah, oh, that's a beautiful question. I love it. Who are your students?
1: My students. They can. they the youngest will be about twenty-four. The oldest sixty-four nowadays. So, they're, they're, so they're, they the so they already graduated from university. Most of them. Um, and they work either as an internal or an external consultant or sometimes also as a team manager or as a coach. So they work on an individual or group or organizational level, either internal or external. And that's important because I only uh, have students in my group who can apply whatever they learn the very next day.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really key. I mean, it's about the application, right? Yeah. You go out and practice it straight away. And Wick, are they in, um, is it like a face-to-face, a classroom situation, or is any of this yes. virtual?
1: No, it's all, it's all face-to-face. So they come to Amsterdam two days per month, and they might have an assignment between two days, but it's always, the, 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 the class is always in Amsterdam.
0: Mm-hmm. And you teach yeah. in Dutch? Yep. Okay. Very Most of the time. Yeah.
1: I w- sometimes work with Matty Jakobsgaard or Mark Love from Scotland. And then, or I work with, uh, what's the name? Or well, some other English or American people. And then, obviously, the teaching is in uh, English. Mm-hmm. So when Bob Sloan comes over, it's in English.
0: And I know I'm asking these questions backwards. <laughs> starting with the detail, <laughs> but what's the question? But tell us about your institute, please.
1: The institute is now about 12 years old, and it's, it's, it's really based on my own studies. I've been teaching too at the Free University in practical social psychology, so group dynamics, really. So that's the basis of the
0: institute. Yeah, and I read that your background is actually um, Dutch literature and social yeah. psychology, Um, So before you got into creating your own institute, what were you doing?
1: Well, in the 80s, I studied Dutch literature because I I like to read. That was really really the only reason why I picked that studies. And after eight years, when I graduated, I found out that there was no work. So I did all kinds of work for about five years. Mm -hmm. Worked in bars in England, worked in campsites in France, all, everything that came along, I said yes. Uh, that's my. <laughs> I always do the same thing as a matter of fact. So, whenever somebody asks me a question, I always say yes. And um, so one time, a guy came along. He says, "Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you work with me?" And I came. I, I ended up in a home for deaf and disabled people. So, as a group leader, and. Um, uh, that, so I worked in healthcare all of a sudden as a literature student. So and then uh, some uh, things happened in that institute, in that home, and uh, a psychologist came to help our team because we had some uh, people who had a burnout and there were some things going wrong in the team. And when I saw that psychologist at work, I thought, hmm. I like this kind of work. Mm-hmm. I, 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 never, I never knew what I wanted to do, as a matter of fact. So when I was 31, the psychologist came along to help our team. I thought, "What well, this man is doing, that's what I want to do. So then I decided to go back to university, study social psychology, and become a, a group psychologist.
0: Thank you for all that background. And I'd like to now hear about your experience and your interest and how, whatever how you ever want to describe it with moving into taking on, and again, whatever verb you want to use, the Appreciative Inquiry Practitioner, the AI practitioner publication.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as I said earlier, when somebody asks me a question, I always say yes. So <laughs> when Anne Wester and Joop de Jong and also Matti Jagergaard asked me whether I would be interested to take on the responsibility for the AI practitioner, I said yes. And I had a couple of conversations with Anne Redford. Everybody knows that Anne Redford used to be the editor-in-chief, right? hmm Wonderful,
0: wonderful work she did.
1: She's re- the mm-hmm. AI practitioner is really her baby. hmm I mean, she created AI Practitioner. She um, asked all these people to contribute to AI Practitioner. She asked people to be a member of the advisory board. I mean, AI Practitioner was really her achievement. So it was, for me, it was kind of easy to take it over.
0: What was exciting you about that?
1: Yeah, what what was exciting about taking over the AI practitioner was it, 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 it is a very useful platform for people uh, to write their, about their case t- stories, about the, the things they're doing in the field, but also for people who do research on social constructionism and the effects of AI. Where so where practitioners and researchers can meet. So, I think it's a very useful platform for where theory and practice could go hand in hand. Yeah, and I and I just been I just been to for instance the uh, the the W A I C so the AI gathering in Ghent a couple of years earlier. I was a bit disappointed. And the disappointment was that uh, it seems that nothing new came up it was the, st- the same faces, uh, the same stories. Uh, there didn't seem to be a lot going on, on, the, on, on, on in the in, on research. And uh, I thought, well, I know that AI has been traveling all over the world and I wanted to take, I had to, to, to find some new sort of momentum, like um, uh, go and look for new researchers, for, for, for a new generation of people who are working with AI and to see whether, um, I could get the, as I said before, if I could get the AI practitioner fundamental in one area. And that means, uh, that I was really interested in, uh, people who producing, uh, thesis and research on social constructionism and increase inquiry and other, di- other dialogical uh, ways of doing organizational development. So, and at the same time, more practical. Look for new ways of doing it. Look for new way of dealing with the four or five or six D model, uh, people coming up with new methods, new exercises, that sort of thing. Because I had the impression as when I came away from Ghent, that the uh, priest inquiry community was in some sort of vacuum. Producing the same stories.
0: That's so interesting. Let me just jump in here for a second. So I also was in Ghent and didn't have the opportunity to meet you at that time. Then you know, unfortunately, sometimes you just don't get to meet everybody. Exactly. And I was really pleased in the sense that it be- there were many Europeans who were presenting. Yeah. Whereas in the past, other than the, the time before that, which was in Nepal where I also went, yeah. but I felt like seeing you know the centers of influence moving to, you know to Nepal it was and then to Europe and Kent, and I was excited by that, and so uh, this is interesting so how did you make how, i mean so what did you do to bring new innovations and new research?
1: Well, the first thing I did, because I took over the uh, priest Inquiry practitioners like uh, half a year before Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did in Johannesburg was uh, go and look for young people to become member of the advisory board. So I found 15 new people, younger people, all in their 30s, 20s and 30s, who uh, wanted to uh, play a role in the the AI practitioner. A good example being Keith Storage for for instance, from Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came up with a new section for AI practitioners called "Nourish to Flourish." Mm. That's his. That these are his words. So, he came up with his own, and he started interviewing people about how they use AI in their daily lives and their practices. Mm. So, but I also was looking for people in their twenties um, to 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 hear their stories, to hear their uh, practices to hear their uh, examples, and um, I think uh, if, if, if you look at the AI practitioner over the last couple of years, that uh, I'm trying to find to strike a balance between a younger generation and the and the original, the, the founding fathers of AI. Mm. So, for instance, uh, the the next issue will be on appreciating politics, and the guest editors are three women in their late twenties. Well, the the, uh, the November issue, yeah, the November issue. Then will be on peace, and there, I the guest that will be then Saint and Yves de Young, who've been around in AI since the very start of it. So that's that's how I try to strike f- a balance between the the uh, new generation and and the founding fathers.
0: Mm. Oh, I'm understanding.
1: New combinations.
0: You, yeah, I'm understanding a little more. Um Like bringing new voices. I'm excited about some of the work where, you know, even moving more online as well and bringing appreciative inquiry into, you know, just into different, onto different platforms and in different contexts. Yes. So there's a bigger reach. And if you think about, you know, where are young people hanging out, right? So they're hanging Uh out on the internet a lot.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I've been thinking about that kind of thing too. How can we turn the AI practitioner more in, in, a, in a community that is just not just a journal and a, a really a set of PBS, to that it's also a community where people can engage with each other and, and tell each other stories, as a matter of fact,
0: yeah. about their work. Yeah. What mm. about other technologies like video or, you know, have you thought of yeah. videos, podcasts, you know, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, well, we've we've had those as well, mm-hmm. and I'm not, and, and, and I and I really try to challenge <laughs> the young guest editors to come up with different ways of producing the appetizer, and they came up with PDFs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they didn't work so far.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's but one eventually, way, right? Eventually, yeah, one way.
1: Eventually, eventually it will happen. Yes. I mean.
0: Well, it'd be interesting. Your co-producer is um, the Cooper Writer Centre of Appreciative Inquiry at Champlain College. They have a really strong uh, multimedia Mm -hmm. faculty.
1: Yep, yep, exactly.
0: So that could be interesting.
1: So, and now now the AI Commons is back into place. Mm -hmm. The the, the AI Commons website is is functioning again. Uh, Natalie and William, who works with Champlain and works with the AI Commons, mm-hmm. uh, they're already uh, talking about how we can build on each other's strengths. Beautiful. So, what AI Commons can offer and what AI practitioners can offer, mm-hmm. and how we can combine those two uh, those two things in a way that really produces uh, added value for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. very
1: exciting. So, and, yeah. yeah, keep going. Yes, and I'm, I'm yeah, and, I'm, and, and I agree with you that that podcasts and videos that should be part of that, because imagine what that we ha- not only have a database of about a thousand of very excellent articles, but also ten thousand short stories on video. Mm. That would be exciting, wouldn't it?
0: Very exciting. If
1: only it would be f- five minute stories, people yeah. telling their. The case study, or or, or tell about the, or people telling about their research.
0: Yes, well, it you could know, be really exciting. Joop, um is doing a wonderful yep. job with, yes. you know, yes. his video series yes. on the soul of appreciative leadership. Yeah. which are beautiful. Yeah,
1: that's a very good example. Yeah, yeah.
0: and we're also doing um, work on doing video interviews and for people to tell their yes. stories. That will yes, be shown I on the AI um, comment. So you know, it's early yes, days, exactly. and we are experimenting. Exactly. It's and exactly. um, yeah, so we, we're moving forward um, with all these different um, media channels.
1: Yeah, and I have to say that I'm the I'm the worst editor in chief in that respect because I'm really old fashioned. I just <laughs> love to read. Yeah. <laughs> I read all the time, <laughs> yeah. so I love to. I love to print my AR petitioners, Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and hold it in your hands.
1: So that it can. Re- exactly. <laughs> so I'm extremely old fashioned. Yeah. And now, as I see, I have a problem because my roof is starting to leak.
0: Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, look, I, I think. Um, can I just <laughs> ask you one final question? Or yes. do you want to go and fix your roof? And we have to say goodbye. <laughs> no, you better go and fix your roof, I'll, I think.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll walk upstairs to see what's happening. But okay. I'm pretty sure that we have a problem. Okay. The roof is leaking.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to let you go. This has been such oh, an interesting... No, no, no. No?
1: <laughs> no, the problem has been solved. No, not, the, the window was open. <laughs> <gasps> okay, sorted. Uh, this is called... Reality TV. Reality. Reality, reality, that's broadcasting. Exactly reality what podcasting. Reality podcasting. It just, you, it just sounded new.:
0: <laughs> Yeah, you knew exactly what I was wanting to say. So may I ask you <laughs> May mm-hmm. I ask you a final question? Yep, you're
1: it. Right. Um,
0: and then I'm going to invite you to say how people can find out about AI practitioner and, and anything else you'd like to share. But I'm always interested and yeah. um, in, in asking people about their favorite, if it's possible, um, appreciative inquiry principle.
1: Hmm. Hmm, hmm. 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 Yeah. For me, uh, that's, that's difficult. Oh, that's a difficult question, Robin, because I'd like to pick three, but I'll pick one. I'll pick the anticipatory principle. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because that's really, because it, it really works for me. And, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an extremely mediocre triathlete. So I've done two Ironmans, one in Kentucky and one in Vichy, France. And the anticipatory principle is really working for me. So what I what I do, so I do, I always do the, as Dave Cooperrider once called it in the air practitioner, the tiniest of summits. So I do a summit on myself. Mm. So I, tell myself a story about a time when i completed a triathlon and how i felt that day and what i did when i was overwhelmed by the heat and by the by the fatigue how i kept on going and what really worked for me then is is anticipating on not only um, the, 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 the 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 most the most uh empowering image then Obviously, is me seeing myself uh, uh, going over the finish line, mm-hmm. and look at it, and look look above, and see the time. So, mm-hmm. for instance, for my last triathlon, I had this image that my final time would be twelve minutes, uh, twelve hours, twelve minutes, and twelve seconds. It turned out that it was very hot, so I did so. I, I, I took twelve. Hours and 53 minutes, but it didn't matter. Mm. The, the, the image, the image that I had, not only by me crossing the finish line, but also me uh, imaging myself swimming in a river, uh, moving into the cycling, cycling through the valleys and up on the hills, transiting into the, to, the, the, the running, running around the riverside, that sort of thing. The, the images are really helpful for me in, um, pushing myself to do my training every day. So the anticipatory principle uh, is really helpful in um, giving you the strengths and giving you the guidance to do your daily uh, practice, preparing for something. So that's why I should pick that one.
0: Well, I love what you say. And um, I found on your website this beautiful verse from Rainer Maria Rilke.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And
0: I'm going to read that because it's so relevant to what you're saying. May I do that? Yes. So you're quoting, um, and now I'm quoting Rilke. You must give birth to your images. They are the future waiting to be born. Fear not the strangeness you feel. The future must enter you long before it happens. Just wait for the birth, for the hour of the new clarity. So beautiful.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, And in fact, I just have to be a little self-indulgent here. Um, At the moment, (laughs) the anticipatory principle is my favourite principle too. Is
1: it? Yep. Is it? Why?
0: Why? Um, For reasons that you outline, I think that, you know, you do hold the images of the future and they do pull you forward. You know, I have a personal story about having a health issue and it was the the mm. the images of a healthy physical body that kept me going when I was um, quite ill. Um, mm. And just a side note on that, my, fa- my father would always say to me, stop anticipating, you're going to get disappointed. You're setting yourself up for oh. disappointment." <laughs> I, I knew <laughs> yes, he was trying to is. encourage me to keep me kind of safe. Yes, exactly. But, um, exactly, exactly. but it was no, you know, I was always... Excited about what was possible, and I would be yes. very confident that if I could, if I could believe it, I would see it. So, so um, we yep. c- so that you don't get yep. blown out of your house and the rain comes down through the roofs or anything. It's
1: getting it's getting, it's getting dry.
0: I'm wondering if you would <laughs> like to just give some, you know, say how people can perhaps find out more about the AI practitioner or a link to your own work, you know, your institute that you have in Amsterdam?
1: Well, yeah. If they really want to reach out to me and ask me a question or something, they can always send me an email and you provide them with the institutes, Institute, institute for instance, p- 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 mm-hmm. thing, for instance. But if they're interested in the AI practitioner, they can go straight to the uh, website www.aipartitioner.com.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. Okay, very good. Yeah,
1: that's it. I All right, then. they can and they can And they can always then contact us and we can always send them something. We, that, get, we, we like to give articles out for free anyway so people not only subscribe but also when there is interest just in being part of the community, they can send us an email and we'll, we'll make sure that they can, they can get articles for free every now and then.
0: Yeah. Do you have any kind of downloads free on the website?
1: Yeah, there's free downloads on the website too. Okay. Yeah.
0: So people yeah. can go there and find some examples.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and just and just and just look around for a bit. Yeah. Of
0: course. Yeah. yeah. Well, look. Thank you very much. It's been such a um, um, an adventurous call that we've had <laughs> yes. with all the drama was, going yeah. on in France. It
1: lasted exactly one thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, um, I wish you a happy evening, and thank you for the conversation. And regards thank you. to Natalie. Thanks very
1: much, Robin. Okay. Yes, I will do.
0: Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on PositivityStrategist forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best.